This is talking about his character, what he was on the inside. See, it doesn't say he was a justified man, because if it said he was a justified man, it would be talking about his salvation. But he says he's a just man, it's talking about his sanctification. Welcome to Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr., senior pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us today as we begin a message called Raising Another Man's Baby. And pastor, we've got a lot to unpack in that little bit that we just heard. So first of all, we're talking about a man and his character. And based on the title of this message, Raising Another Man's Baby, and the fact that we're getting close to Christmas, I'm guessing we might be talking about Joseph here. Oh, yes. We're talking about Joseph and his raising of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, we're living in a day in which uh, this kind of thing is happening all the time, Mm -hmm. uh, where you have blending families. I don't call it blended families because ED, past tense, means it's already done. I call them blending families Mm because the process uh, continues on and on and on. And so you have it. So there are some very vital principles that we can glean from Joseph and Mary and apply uh, to blending families today. Yeah. And we're going to continue to look at those, to unpack those, but you threw out two big Bible words, what we just heard there a moment ago. And and I know you already know where I'm going with this. I know where you're going. Justification, sanctification. Sanctification. Explain those $50 theological terms. Well, justification is a term that literally means that I have become a believer in Jesus Christ. He took away my sin, and then he clothed me in his positive righteousness. Jesus Christ never sinned. Uh, And so whenever I become a believer, that what he did on Calvary when he died and shed his blood was for me. He died for my sins. Mm -hmm. And so God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so that's what it means to be justified. And uh, sanctification is the second step in that process where now the position being in Christ becomes practical, where I am now living out what Christ put in me. And so it is working out what has been worked in. So my salvation has some fruit. Sure. And it's called sanctification. It just means that you're living right. Okay. So being justified means God has declared me right. That's right. Sanctification means I am now living right. That's right. Serving him, following after him. So, That's all right. right. So part of what we're going to be talking about. And the one ought to follow the other. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. We're not working out that sanctification if we've not been justified first. Then we're just being a good moral person. There you go. All right. Well, I hope that helps as we begin to uh, take a look at this message, Raising Another Man's Baby. If you can, open your Bible and join us in Matthew chapter 1. Here is Pastor Ford. You may have heard about the man who really wasn't a good husband. And so he had decided, he had this uh, epiphany, this encounter with the Lord and decided I'm going to change. He said, as a matter of fact, I'm going to surprise her. Uh, So that day after he left work, he went to the florist, and he got her two dozen roses, big, rye, long-stem red roses. Then he went by the candy store, 
and he got her a great big box of chocolates. Uh, then he went by Neiman Marcus and got her a gift card. He went home, he said, I'm going to surprise her. I'm not even going to use my key. I'm going to have her come to the door. And so he knocked on his own door and she came and she looked at him and he said, flowers, candy, and a gift certificate from Neiman Marcus. And she started crying. <laughs> oh, my he said, you happy? No, 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 no. This is the worst day of my life. He said, why is it the worst day of your life? She said, because Johnny got kicked out of school and the cat got run over by a car and the washing machine and the dishwasher both broke down and I just burned my dinner and now you come home drunk. Uh, now, most men would agree that women at times are hard to please. And, and yeah, it's, you know, it's because they're women. I mean, you've heard it before. Women, you can't live with them and you can't live with them. Here's what one person said. I love it. To be happy with a man, you must understand him a lot and love him a little. To be happy with a woman, you must love her a lot and not try to understand her at all. Amen. I mean, it's the if you do and if you don't. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody ever go through this? If you ask her to do something she doesn't enjoy, you're trying to dominate her. But whenever she asks you to do something you don't like, it's a favor. Uh, yeah, if you buy her something without asking, you want something. But if you don't buy her something, you're not thoughtful. Uh, you can't win. You can't win. If you work too much, she says, you don't have any time for me because you're always at that job. If you don't work enough, you're lazy, good-for-nothing bum. See, if you do, if you don't. If you cry, you're a wimp. If you don't, you're insensitive. Y'all ain't going to pray with me in here. I'm helping some brother. If you make a decision without consulting her, you're a chauvinist. But if she makes a decision without consulting you, she's just a reasonable, liberated woman doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Hmm. If you're with your friends too much, she needs time with you. But if she's with her friends too much, she needs time away from you. Oh, I'm hitting it. I know I'm putting the oil to the squeak. I'm putting, uh, you know, if you try to keep yourself in shape, you vain and egotistical, always in that gym. And if you don't, you're a slob. You need to go to the gym. And so if you do, if you don't, if you're proud of your achievements, you're full of yourself. But if you aren't, you're not ambitious enough. You need some more drive. Hmm. If she's got a headache, she's tired. But if you have one, there must be somebody else. Can't win for losing. If you want sex too often, you're oversexed. And if you don't want sex as much, there's got to be someone else. All I'm trying to say, no wonder men die before women. We want to. Amen. 
All I get to say is this, that the playing field, anybody that's married, now those of you just get married, maybe you haven't found it out yet, but the playing field is not level. The playing field is tilted toward the woman and not the man. I know you don't believe it. I know you don't believe it. Uh, When you begin to look at it, it's not level, but God made it that way. Let me say it again. But God made it that way. That God made it that way. That, That whenever you begin to look at what God did, Adam was formed first. And God gave him those seven R's. I'm not going to go through all of them right now, but you know what they are. Genesis 2-7, respiration. Now what was in God is now in the man. He breathed into him, and he gave him the breath of life. So now he's a spirit-filled man in fellowship with God. That's the starting place, ladies. Warm, male, and alive is not the starting place. Yeah, yeah. Saved and in fellowship with Jesus is the starting place. And so it's tilted uh, in their direction. Why? Because God did it. He made Adam first. When sin came into the world, he said, Adam, where are you? Not Eve, where are you? Uh, When God wanted to establish marriage, he said, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It was Proverbs 18.22 says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 21 through 33, he's got three verses to the woman, nine verses to the man. God has three times as much to say to the man as he does to the woman. It's tilted in their direction, brothers. But a good man, a godly husband, won't give up, won't give in, won't give over. He'll give all. He'll give anything to make her his everything. Y'all ain't going to pray with him today, but I'm telling you what I'm telling you. Listen, listen, here's what I know, and I've known this for years. How much of a husband I am will generally determine how much of a wife she will be. If I'm not much of a husband, I shouldn't expect much of a wife. going to pray with the pastor in here. Now, Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 is a prime example. You have to remember now, Joseph is actually going to raise a child that is not his own. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, you know, it's Jesus. So how much trouble is he going to have raising that child? Uh, But the point is, it's another man's child. Yeah, and he gives us some great principles. He's not the biological father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so he's going to give us some principles that will teach us how to raise another man's child. And by the way, there are women that are doing it as well, and so how to raise another woman's child. Yeah, the principles are applicable across genders. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, there will be 1,300 new stepfamilies forming every day. So before we get up out of here, before the dawn closes, 1,300 new step families will be formed. 60% of children in America are being raised by a stepdad or a stepmom. 60%. That's approximately 36 million children 
according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Now, there are more step families than there are what they're calling original families and what I was taught to call nuclear families. So now, for the first time in the history of America, step families outnumber nuclear or original families. Now, according to the same U.S. Census Bureau, which means then that 79% of these step families will not survive the blending process. 79%. Here's what they said. 15% will divorce in three years. 25% will divorce within five years. And 39% in 10 years. Those are sobering statistics, aren't they? You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford. And a really helpful message today entitled Raising Another Man's Baby. We're going to get back to this in just a moment. But if something that you've been hearing on the program has been making a difference in your walk with Christ, maybe it's really transformed your marriage relationship or the way you engage and interact with your coworkers or your kids, maybe it's allowed you to get your finances back on track or even to be able to begin a personal relationship with Jesus, We'd love to know your story. You can always give us your feedback and share your story with us by coming to treasuredtruthradio.org. Click on the contact link, and you can give us your feedback right there. Again, that's at treasuredtruthradio.org, and click on contact. We recently heard from Leslie in Alabama who says, I've been listening to your program for five years now. I've learned so much. Thank you. And Mary from Illinois who says, I'm writing to thank you because your preaching lifts me up time and time again. Well, Leslie, Mary, thank you for letting us know that you're out there, that you're listening. And again, if we've never heard from you before, or if you even want to ask a question, come to treasuredtruthradio.org and click on the contact link. Well, if you're just joining us, we're in Matthew chapter 1. Back to the message. Here's Pastor Ford. So that of all the step families that are existing now, in 10 years, 79% of them will be dissolved. They will not make it. Number one reason, survey says, because they didn't deal with the problems in the previous relationship and brought those into the new relationship. Number two, because they did not have the sense to come together with the children and lay down the ground rules before they got married. Hmm. Here's the kicker. This this floored me. I'm looking at these stats, and I I looked at this. I said, they got to know this. Say, what is it we have to know? That these statistics do not include children 18 and older who have moved out of their parents' home. That's amazing. Because some of us know some of them give you bigger problems than the little kids. Uh So we'll look at Joseph and Mary, and we'll learn some characteristics of a person who successfully raises another man's child. Now, Joseph has got some issues in this text, and we need to acknowledge that. He's married to his boo. Let me explain espousal. It says, it says, now the birth of Jesus was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. I got to tell you this. Some of you already know it, but some people don't know this, okay? And so we're not going to take it for granted just because you know it and you done heard it that there's somebody here who will walk out and say, I don't understand it. Amen? Amen. All right. What's espousal? Espousal is this. 
in the Bible, when you were a spouse, it's not like our engagement. So you break an engagement, you can just break it. But a spousal literally meant that they were married before they got married. They were pledged to each other. And in the Bible days, when you were pledged, it was married. They would give you what's called a ketubah, a marriage certificate. And you would have that. And then you wait a year before you consummate and had sex. Go ahead, say it. Say, thank God we're not Jewish. Because you had to wait a whole year. Anyway, and so what happens now? They have not consummated their marriage, even though they are legally married in biblical eyes. They had had no sex, and now he hears she's pregnant. Now, I want you to think about it, because uh, it's on like neck bones. Really? Because here's what we do. We, We romanticize and fantasize about the Bible. But I want every brother in here to put yourself in Joseph's place. You and your boo, you're engaged, you know, and so now she comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. What? And you know you ain't had none. How you get pregnant? The Holy Ghost. Now, what ghost is so holy that he going to knock up my woman? I mean, I'm just being real here. I mean, this is a Jerry Springer moment. Because if you, are you going to say, oh, well, praise the Lord. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. You ain't going to say that. I don't think so. No, 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 no. I can imagine you'd be like Teddy Pendergrass when he was with Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. The love I lost was a sweet one, and I'll never, no, never love this way again. So here it is. What are the five marks? Hey, if you're a brother, and most of those statistics, I think it was uh, 76% out of the 100% are men raising another man's child. Uh, The other 24% are women raising another man's baby. So how do you do that? Well, first of all, let's look in the text. Here's what it says. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, verse 19, and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thus shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I know you're used to it at Christmas. As a matter of fact, I didn't preach the text on Christmas, but isn't it amazing how the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's alive, that that, that the Word of God uh, is so applicable in every situation. Now, notice, first of all, what's the first characteristic? Character. Say character. But not just any character. Character that has been reinforced in the crisis. Let me put it this way. Character that's been reinforced by the crisis. Let me say it this way. Character that's been reinforced through the crisis. In other words, what's going on? Knows what it says. And Joseph being a just man. Stop. Joseph is called a just man. This is talking about his character. What he was on the inside. See, it doesn't say he was a justified man, because if it said he was a justified man, it would be talking about his salvation. 
but he says he's a just man. It's talking about his sanctification. Okay, I know they're big $50 theological words. What does it mean? It literally means he's a man that has been through a process with God and is in the midst of a process with God, ultimately to be transformed into the image of God. This is a man who understood that what's on the inside must be greater than what's on the outside because what's on the outside cannot overcome what's on the inside if what's on the inside is greater than what's on the outside. Preach, Pastor Ford. I'm doing the best I can. In other words, character is who you are. Reputation is what people think of you. And so what happens? Joseph has something on the inside that won't let him sink. I I like these quotes. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said this, character is like a tree, and reputation is like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. That's that's a good quote. That's a real good quote. Uh, Let me tell you what Henry Ward Beecher said. The test of Christian character should be that a man is a joy-bearing agent to the world. Here's what Dwight Moody said. Character is what you are in the dark. So that means character is who you are when nobody knows what you're doing. When nobody can peep your whole car, see what you're doing, what you're watching on your computer, what you're watching on your TV. Character is who you are at 3 o'clock in the morning. Booker T. Washington, uh, I got two quotes from him, uh, and I got these from Brother Riley back there. Character is power. And then he went on to say, character, not circumstances, makes the man. In other words, when this person of character is raising another man's child, his character is greater than whatever those children bring to the table. And he's able to overcome because what's on the inside of him is greater. Listen to this. Uh, Johann Wolfgang Van Gogh, he said this, character develops itself in the stream of life. That's this text. Character develops itself. In other words, he's a just man. He hears this bad news. It's a crisis. Well, how are you going to handle the crisis? That is such a big question, isn't it? You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford and a message called Raising Another Man's Baby. And we're going to continue to look at this from Matthew chapter 1 next time on the broadcast. Hope you make it a point to tune in. If you ever miss a program, you can always listen online. Just come to our website. It is treasuredtruthradio.org. There you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. And while we are able to listen for free, whether it's on the radio, online, uh, by downloading a podcast, or by simply listening through the Moody Radio app, there is a cost to bringing you this Bible teaching each and every day. We've got to pay for things like production cost and airtime and all the things that happen behind the scenes. And so, especially as we approach the end of the year, I want to ask you to consider giving a generous year-end gift so that we can finish this year strong and begin next year on great footing. You can give a gift online by coming to treasuredtruthradio.org. Click on the Donate button. There you can give a generous one-time gift or an ongoing monthly gift. Again, that's at treasuredtruthradio.org and click on the Donate button. Well, thanks for doing that. Thanks also for listening today. And I want to say a special thanks to our producers, Amy Rios and Ryan McConaughey. 
Pastor Ford. I'm Steve Hiller. Treasure Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.